0: Welcome to Sip and Spin with Luke and Andy.
1: All right, everybody, welcome back. This is part two of our Pink Floyd podcast. Uh, We went through probably the first half of their albums on the last one and now we're just now getting up to the juicy bits here with uh dark side of the moon (laughs) and uh and what follows um is Mm. probably the most well-known and and well-appreciated part of their uh their entire catalog so we're excited to talk about it yeah um just getting this this. is the stuff that we started on the goody boots the (laughs) the giblets and the juicies
0: (laughs) Yeah, um, yeah. I mean the the next the next what four albums that follow here are you know they that's that's what they you know really that that's what really launched them into uh, you know worldwide fame uh, because yeah. that, actually up until before Dark Side of the Moon they really weren't um, I don't think they were much of a hit in the U.S. Uh, up up until that point. <clears throat> Actually, I think the before before some of the singles that came out for Dark Side of the Moon, I don't think they had any hits in the U.S. except for like some of a couple of tracks from like um, like when Piper at the Gates of Dawn came out, which I think like actually, and there are tracks that aren't even on Piper at the Gates of Dawn. I think like um, See <laughs> Emily Play and um, Oh Yeah. What's the other one? There's another one. Uh, that I can't think of seemingly play and Arnold lane. Yep. Uh, those are both actually, those were, I think those were singles that had, you know, got some kind of radio play maybe in the U S um, but they actually weren't even released on any of their albums. They were like, kind of like little B side singles. Um, but yeah, so dark side of the moon was really, you know, when they, they really launched into worldwide fame <clears throat> and it's really their first um first time doing a concept album uh, right so
1: so yeah i mean uh it, it yeah. went to it went to number 1 on the charts in the yeah. us um and number of, you know uh for however many weeks and then uh for the year end charts in the year in the US for the US Billboard 200 it was it was number 11 for 1973 so yeah it I was think, certainly popular
0: i think money was the the first real us hit um, and yeah you can see why you know yeah um but yeah going 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 back and revisiting this album it's it's been a little while um mm-hmm. and i really kind of took a lot I think I've took more from it uh, listening to it this week than I've probably ever taken from it um just being older having yeah. more exp- life experiences and stuff you know um because a lot of the album the, like the themes you know have to do with you know kind of good and bad life and death and um you know and so like you know a song like you know a track like time Kind of has a right. whole new meaning now, right. a, you know, as a you know, thirty-seven-year-old guy who's got a couple of yeah. kids, and you know, because that that whole song is just about how, um, you know, just how time goes, just you know, can go so fast, and
1: yeah, you um, try and do so much, but you never you never yeah. have the time, and it goes so fast. You run and you run to catch up with the sun, but yeah. it's sinking.
0: <laughs> there it you, is, you know.
1: It's like, it's a, you're, you're an animal just, you know, trying to chase after something that's continually out of reach.
0: Yeah. Uh, that, that line
1: definitely always sticks with me.
0: Yeah. And that was something, you know, that when, when I first started listening to Pink Floyd, I mean, shit, I had no, I, I, I didn't relate to a lot of like the lyrics, you know, I, I related right. to, I related to the music on a, on a gut level, you know, that, that appealed to me, but you know, the lyrics were something that I didn't, you know, because I was, what, in junior high or something, I don't know, when I first listened to it, um, you know, just didn't have that that kind of meaning. And there's a lot of tracks yeah. on this album that, to me, are some of the first, even re- when you go and revisit all of their work, like, going through chronologically, there's tracks on this album that are really um, poignant, like, really, a lot of emotion, you know, um, yeah. within the subject matter and just, and just how their perform, you know, which I think is their and, real first for, for them as a band.
1: And they really, this is the first album that they really, it's the first album for me anyway, that I really, you really start to get that serious, you know, Roger Waters was a major contributor to all of the other albums. Obviously, you know, he was for all intents and purposes, he was the front man um, in a lot of ways, but, this is the first album to me where he starts to come through and you start to get what I associate with Roger Waters is kind of the more melancholy. Mm -hmm. And, and the two things I get are, are melancholy, you know, themes that are very, that are, you know, not necessarily fun to talk about and, and kind of the anti-establishment themes, you know, like money, you know, money's all about, you know, money <laughs> yeah it's all about being in search of money and how and how you know they're kind of and, and this comes up in later albums too but you know it, you get it get the sense that it's a little bit about their their you know people trying to profit off of them as, as a successful band and and um you know how money is not everything and and that sort of stuff um it definitely has a has a has a feel that he's talking to you know Corporate fat cats. I mean, when I listen to it, that's what I get. Like yeah. that, he's talking to people. You know, the corporate corporate people that are, you know, hey, money's not everything, and and it's it's satirical in that way. That it's like you know, you're just kind of talking from the perspective of one of those people, um, but making it you know obvious that that it, he finds it distasteful the pursuit of you know of wealth. Um, so it's, uh, it's definitely interesting to see, hear him, see and hear him take over the band in that way to start bringing up some of these themes that definitely, again, when we get to the wall, reach a crescendo of, you know, just bleak and <laughs> anti-establishment and bleak and, um, you know, <laughs> fascism and, and things like that. So yeah, um, I, I read this,
0: I read this quote from Waters. You know same way he's like this is like this is it i you know he at this point he had to decide whether he's really a socialist or not yeah <laughs> he said i'm still keen on a general welfare society but he's like i be- but i became a capitalist and he's like you have to just accept that i very much i very much wanted all of that material stuff that was coming with kind of the fight with being you know uh a rock star you know yeah and um but yeah, there's a you know with with the track like money. I mean, God, that's just. A, I mean, in a way, it's like you have seen the build up to yeah uh, you know tracks like that. But in, in another way, it was just like it was so night and day to, to what they yeah. had before. You know what I mean, like
1: right. And so I mean it's kind of like they finally blended it all together. They went from five, they go from five or six sparse random tracks and a long sweeping ballad to the entire album is a long sweeping ballad broken up into smaller tracks. And, and it works so much better, you know, it just, it, you know, all of their albums are relatively short. They're all hit right at 40 minutes, you know, especially for a concept band and a big, in a big, uh, you know, melodic band that they kind of turned into 40 minutes. is not a lot of time, but in this album, they really just, they use every inch of that and, for, for the whole purpose.
0: And the other interesting thing about this album is, um, the, the, the songs are much more concise, uh, right. And focus. And, um, I mean, the longest track on here is like, I still think, I think it's under eight minutes. That's the longest, yeah, I, track, you know,
1: awesome. Them is under eight minutes.
0: And so, I mean, that's a, that's a pretty big departure for them as a band they were doing a lot of these longer right. kind of tracks and so you know this one like it just it, yeah it's it's certainly more radio friendly and i and that doesn't really surprise me that this is where they kind of you know right. broke out and became you know uh, a hit in the u.s and stuff like that
1: but I think it's important to note too, that you said it's radio friendly, but that doesn't mean, I mean, we still got tracks like the great gig in the sky, which is essentially just sure. yeah. piano and a female non, non word vocal. Right. And then, you know, like any color you like, which is basically just like a funky, you know, Richard Wright organ solo yep. and, <laughs> and me too. And, um, and, and so those aren't going to make the the top True. 100 sure. charts anytime soon, but they, but they're great in the context of the album you know it's not right. like the other albums where they had a song like that and it would just it was just a throwaway and you were like okay this is fine you know in the context of this album it, it carries it to the next thing and they always bleed together you know every song bleeds together and it 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 just it all works and yeah. then i mean I, again there's a reason that this is one of their most popular and their most well-known and their you know most well-renowned albums is because it just everything clicks on on all cylinders
0: and I think you know, yeah. I mean, exactly. And also, like, this is when I mean, you know, when this when this album came out, people didn't realize that, obviously. But like, looking back at it now, this is really kind of the last album that they did as a true band, like right. as a like everyone kind of contributing. Um, because right. from here on out, after after Dark Side of the Moon, you know, Waters definitely started asserting more and more control um, over everything. Um, And so this is really, it's, it's interesting because like they finally peaked at this moment (laughs) of like everything working together and, 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 you know, everybody in the band really contributing and right. It just, and and it just all works so well. And then it was just like, (laughs) I mean, I don't want to say it went downhill after that because I, there's, you know, after this that I really love, obviously, but, um, but as a band, as like a good functioning, healthy band, (laughs) this is kind of like them in their prime. Like it kind of went downhill
1: from there. Um, it's amazing how that happens, you know. This—they're certainly not the only band that that's happened to, oh, right. where they, you know, lightning in a bottle, where they peak and then, you know, internal struggles and things, and and the next thing you know, an album or two later, the public doesn't realize it because their the next couple albums are also really good, but the band itself is just struggling. You know, it's yeah. just hard to be—it's hard to carry that level of of. Um, I mean, that's why the Beatles are, you know, the Beatles are not my favorite band, but that's why they're such an amazing story is that they carried success and innovation through so many albums that were so popular for so long it's just it's amazing and and you know pink floyd did it for for maybe four albums you know yeah. they had four albums that were just amazing and and it carried them you know obviously their careers long lasted those four albums you know they, they had more albums after that and they still have live careers and things like that but you know these four albums were easily the peak that you could point to and say that's 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 pink floyd right um so i don't know if there's anything else you want to say about dark side of the moon i mean i guess we should mention the myth of 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 um yeah i thought about that syncing too. it up with the uh, sinking it up with um I don't, i've of never it. done it yeah with the wizard of oz i've never done it I recall um, doing
0: it um, um, years and years ago, probably when I first was really starting to listen to them. So you're talking junior yeah. high school. Um, I do recall doing it. Um, I know my my brother had Pink Floyd albums, and he was kind of deep into that too. And I, I believe, you know, at one point I watched some of it with him. He, I mean, this is so like he's three years older than me. <clears throat> so... I do almost recall. I, I'm pretty sure I recall like a time where he had some friends over. Cause you're talking like, they're like, you know, I'm probably still in junior high and he's in somewhere in high school. And so he's got it. And he, and my brother, you know, you know, kind of was, uh, <laughs> more into the, he, he was a little more wild than I was, um, in terms of like high school, you know, like things that he did and stuff like that. And, uh, so that was right up his alley. And I think I remember a time where he had some friends over and they put that on and, and synced it up with Dark Side of the Moon. And there are, I mean, there are things that, uh, you know, coincide, like, you know, imagery with, with songs that are, that are pretty interesting. Um, I mean, really oddly coincidental because I'm sure, I mean, I don't think it's true. Uh, you know, nobody in the band has ever said, that they did this intentionally.
1: Right. It's
0: it's just a myth. It's an urban legend type thing, but yeah, but there are, there are instances, you know, if you, if you do it and try it, like it, there are things that sync up that are kind of interesting and strangely coincidental, but um, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, this has never really been my favorite album of theirs, but I think, you know, in going back this week, and revisiting a lot of their stuff. Like, actually I probably enjoyed this the most that I've ever enjoyed it. Um, yeah. And I, I think it's such a great album and I think I enjoyed it more than ever before because I listened to all their previous stuff leading up to this. It's like, Oh, right. finally, like fuck <laughs> like, <laughs> some really, really good work by them. And it's like, Oh man, this, this all just works so well together. And, yeah. Um, I mean, I mean, yeah, and I love I love how I love how the album is structured, and you know just the length of the songs compared to you know kind of some of their other previous work that is very kind of like yeah just kind of meandering and you know just long winded. Um,
1: we we haven't talked about the album art either. I mean, the, the, this uh, yeah, is where. So the album art for the other ones are, are great, but this is definitely, you know, peak. I mean, it's yeah. one of the most recognizable It's, images it's simple and classic. Music. It's
0: just like, yeah, exactly. I mean, no, but I mean, I, I, yeah, there's not too many songs on this album that I don't really care for. I mean, they, and a lot of them kind of bleed into one another. Right. And um, I, it's I mean, I, a full experience, you know. Like,
1: I absolutely have a very hard time, like, listening to a track from the album like if i'm gonna listen to it i'm gonna listen to the album again it's not long you know it's it's very easy to put on your headphones and just listen to it you know it's 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 and it works so much better that way because it just you know it just bleeds into one another it's funny because um you know the first two tracks you know are the first two tracks are almost even always listed as you know, speak to me, breathe, you know, it's not even listed as the, typically, you know, you don't see them listed separately. You see them listed together with a, with a slash speak to me slash breathe. And then there's the, the,
0: there's the whole story with, um, um, Alan Parsons who actually went on and and did, you know, had his own band and everything. Alan Parsons project.
1: Some kind of, didn't he have some kind of project?
0: (laughs) He had some sort of project, I believe. Um, and he, he did some work on, on Dark Side, I believe. And he also was the one that kind of um, had the connection with uh, <clears throat> the female vocalist um, yeah. they brought in for um, Great Gig in the Sky. Yeah. And, yeah. They just, apparently, they just, he was like, oh yeah, I know this, you know, I know this the singer who I, I think would be really good for this. And, and they brought her in and they didn't, you know, they gave her kind of some direction and stuff like that. But like, basically they said to like, just, wordlessly like sing in an orgasmic way and um and yeah it's but it's it's kind of beautiful like with along with like um i think it's richard wright's kind of like uh piano composition Mm -hmm. um yeah it's just a it's just a it's really beautiful track like you know just really kind of speaks to you in like a I don't know, like in a very just uh, primal kind of way, you know, right. and um, but yeah, I like every, I mean, I really like almost every track in here. I mean, us and them is just phenomenal. Um, and, you know, there's a, there's a lot that Waters was talking about in that track in terms of just, you know, the senselessness of, you know, going from the senselessness of war and, you know, civil rights and racism and Yep. You know the end of the track is like for want of the price of tea and a slice the old man died which is just a, a kind of the apathetic response to homelessness and poverty you know um, right so there's a lot of like yeah there's a, a lot of things being said but not in a to me not in a pretentious way you right. know? in a way that just like feels natural and just kind of works you know
1: right very uh everything is almost uh, like allegorical. It's like, you know, it's, there's, it, it's like you listen to it and you're like, there's a story here. Right. And there's a moral here, but, it's but I'm not really usually a hundred percent sure what the story is. And I'm not, you know, and, and I can get the the moral from the lyrics, but it's, I have to read into them a little bit. It's, yeah. it's just very well done without hitting you over the head. You know, it's, yeah. it, it's, you know,
0: which, you know, later in later albums, they do that. <laughs> Um, he
1: loses that. <laughs> yeah.
0: He loses the subtlety, um, but um, yeah, brain damage. I mean, I, I always love, I've always loved Any Color You Like. I think it's just like yeah. a great little like instrumental track, um, you know, which you know, the, the whole, I think the whole idea of the title of Any Color You Like is kind of like, it, it, there's a whole thing about that, but like, it's basically the point of that track even though there's no lyrics, it is kind of like, it's like the idea of offering a choice when there really is no choice. Um, Right. And, and then, you know, brain damage is, is another kind of uh, reference to, to Sid Barrett. And there's a line, there's a line in that track that's if the band you're in starts playing different tunes, I'll meet you on the dark side of the moon. So
1: yeah so that's another direct
0: <laughs> reference to Bear's, right. if the band you're in starts playing different tunes than you are yeah and <laughs> so you know that's another you know he kind of brings back th- those references to to Barrett there um, um because that was the, one of the things that I one of the reasons why they got rid of him, they kind of had to get him out of the band was that he would be playing different songs than, than the rest of the band while they were trying to like So uh, but the whole idea of like, I'll see you on the dark side of the moon, um, it kind of seems to express that mad, the idea of madness, madness right. is kind of always present, but right. most of the time invisible and waiting to be exposed kind of IE, you know, Freud's theory of the unconscious mind. Um, So, I mean, there's just, yeah, there's so much to really kind of like,
1: you're just reading Wikipedia now, aren't you?
0: No, no, I'm just, (laughs) I mean, that's like, no, that's good. I like it. Like that. I, you know, I mean, I, I went through and kind of like looked at some different articles and different things like that and, and that's good. And found, found some stuff that like, you know, did really kind of click and, and it is, it's interesting though. I mean, and then, you know, the last song on the album, you know, which is Eclipse. Um, yeah. It's kind of like this, like, ah, that, I've always, I've always really, I just think that's such a great closer. It's kind of has this, like, it's this, like, it's kind of like triumphant in a way.
1: All that chip touch.
0: It's just like, All that you feel. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's such, it's such a it's so great. Like the how, like just the simplicity of the lyrics, but like it just
1: kicks in everything. with the yeah, Man, very really very history. triumphant. Uh, like yeah. you said, like the ba- but yeah, it's, it's so got like, like a
0: yeah, it's just like it's kind of like uplifting, mm-hmm. but at the same time kind of depressing <laughs> right and what it's talking about like you know yeah. and i just always love like the simplicity of of the lyrics of that just kind of again yeah. highlighting like the themes of the album of light and dark good and bad life and death you know and yeah yeah i don't know i it just it's such a, yeah i mean i i'm uh, so many other people could you know give a better analysis of this album but like yeah I mean look it's just me and you here doing this This nobody's listening this is what we're taking away from these albums we're not music scholars but you know I am (laughs) but yeah I mean
1: speak for yourself asshole
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um. yeah I don't know I don't know what else to say about Dark Side of the Moon other than it deserves every bit of you know here the
1: Oh here's what I'll here's what I'll say. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but here's no, no. here's what I'll say for it. I think you'll find that of the next three albums, Luke and I might find more personal favorites, you know, coming up in the next three albums rather than Dark Side of the Moon. But I personally would say if you were gonna listen to any Pink Floyd album, this would be the one to listen to. I agree I mean, with that it's it's it may not end up being your favorite but if you've never listened to pink floyd and you want to know what they're all about it's going to give you a taste of everything that came before and everything that comes after in in a 44 minute package uh you know and 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 you might find at least a song that you really enjoy
0: yeah i mean i think absolutely like if i were to say you know if i were to if i was talking to someone who had never listened to anything by Pink Floyd. I would definitely, and I, I, don't think I would have, I would have said this before, but now having gone through their entire catalog in, in a matter of a few days, I would definitely agree with that. I would say, if you get to listen, if if you're going to listen to Pink Floyd for the first time, listen to Dark Side of the Moon because it really, to me, like I said, it's the band at its collaborative best. It's it's yes. really a true band effort. Um, yeah, everybody. All the founding members of the band really all had, you know, some some input and, and worked together to create this, you know, work of art. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that's Dark Side of the Moon, baby.
1: It is. And then. And then. They released another album.
0: Two years later.
1: Two years later.
0: 1975, Wish You Were Here.
1: Um, which is which is a lot different than Dark yeah, Side of the Moon.
0: Uh, actually, funny enough, uh, I think Wish You Were Here kind of re- reverts back to their kind of the, the structure that they had been, you know, doing for their albums previously. You know, right? It's it's it's, it's, it's kind of a kind of goes back to reverts back to that.
1: Yeah, it's very it's very similar in terms of of structure to like metal.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. Where Longer tracks in you know, the beginning and the end. Some big
1: long, yeah, some big yeah. long tracks and then some shorter tracks in the middle. Yeah. But I would say overall, it's a little bit more of a cohesive story. You know, I wouldn't. Oh, yeah. I don't. I don't know that I would go so far as to say it's a concept album. I guess it is. Um, yeah, it is. Um, but it's it's, but not quite as much as say the wall. No. um but it's but it's I don't it's think definitely any,
0: I don't think there's any any other album in existence that is is as much of a concept <laughs> <as> the <Wall. laughs>
1: there are there are musical soundtracks that yeah, are man. not as much of a concept album as the wall
0: I mean that's just basically the wall is a rock opera
1: yeah um, but we'll talk about that. But yeah, anyway, I yeah. uh, wish you were here. So I, I would, I said that I really liked, uh, echoes mm-hmm. as far as like a long composition. Um, uh, I would say probably just ahead of that is shine on you crazy diamond. So shine on you crazy diamonds, diamonds, shine on <laughs> you <laughs> crazy diamond parts one through five. And then, and then six through nine are probably my favorite overall, like long composition that they've made. Yeah. Um, it's, it's again, it's a, it's a high class. It's a collaboration between, you know, the whole band. It's got a lot of great parts. It's you shine on you crazy diamond in and of itself could almost be an album to me. You know, it changes enough yeah. and it's right. good enough all around that it could be its own album. Um,
0: yeah, I, I love, um, the opening track, which is parts one through five. Um, yeah, I just think, uh, less so the, the, um, the last the last track on the album which is i don't know what six through what i don't even know how many parts nine
1: yeah it's 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 a it's not as good as the first parts for yeah, sure
0: yeah. yeah parts one through five are, are pretty pretty epic like yeah and, yeah in the best sense like in and just en- enough enough changes and enough like you know like uh just different me- melodies and different things like that going on to keep it interesting and not Mm-hmm. Like, like I said, with some of their past albums, they would have these really long tracks that would go on and on and on, and just you know, they were just kind of meandering. Nothing, it wasn't really much of a, to stand out. But like, yeah, Shine on Your Crazy Time is pretty great. Um, yeah, uh, but the in turn, I would say that's the honestly, I would say that that's the highlight of the album.
1: <laughs> um, it is. It really is. I, I mean. It, it, Oh, go ahead. I was going to say the other three songs on the album besides the Shine On You Crazy Diamonds parts at the beginning and end right. are are very well known. They're, they're all super famous songs. Um, especially Wish You Were Here might be... I would go so far as to say Wish You Were Here might be one of their most famous songs. Probably. Um, and it might be as far as Prime Pink Floyd goes, it might be one that, you know, when people point to you and they say, I love that song. I don't, uh, it's fine. It's not yeah, one of my favorite songs.
0: I agree. Um, yeah, th- no, I mean, Wish you, Were Here, Wish you Were Here has never been a favorite album of mine. Um, I, uh, yeah, I, I, I always liked Shine On Your Crazy Diamond, but like for, I thought that the, I thought that the lyrics in, um, the lyrics, in particular, in um, uh, "Welcome to the Machine," "Have a Cigar," are are very kind of like juvenile.
1: <laughs> like, yeah, I don't
0: know, like they just they just kind of come across as kind of cheesy.
1: Um, well, and and that's uh, you know this kind of bridges what we talked about on the last album. This is where Roger Waters again, Roger Waters is now and have sold right? pretty much primed to take over the entire band at this point. Um, and, but I think, and the way he's right is, I was just going to say, and, and his lyrics are, are getting a little more, he, he may, I don't know what his, his idea was for the lyrics, but they're absolutely getting less, they're getting less. So, so we talked about Sid Barrett in the first part that, you know, he wrote about, you know, fantasy and things like that. Um, the more and more Roger Waters influence you get, the the less and less of that you have. And it gets to the point where Roger waters is almost, you know, the things that he's talking about seem like he's just talking about things that have happened to him in his life. And it's, oh, and it's not very, it's not very, you know, it's very overt. It's not subtle in the, in a lot of ways, you know, it's just him and his feelings and what's happened to him and here's what it is. I mean,
0: I think, and he, Oh, sorry.
1: I was going to say, and some people really love that. And, and some people really don't, you know, for me, I, I think you and I would agree that we both prefer the more subtle, you know, obviously we just said we love dark side of the moon and and some of the lyrics are in there and, and they're far more subtle. They're far more like, what is he truly getting at with this? Whereas welcome to the machine is like, you know, you welcome to the world. You're going to get chewed up and spit out and right. <laughs> enjoy it. You know, you're another cog in the wheel.
0: You bought a guitar to punish your mom. Right. You never liked school and you knew you're never anybody's fool or something like that. It's just like very, right. like, <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, like, you always ate at the steak bar, you know, something and you're right. driving in your Jaguar. Like, what? I
1: don't know. It's just like, <laughs> have a cigar, you're going to go far. You're never going to die. You're going to make it if you try. <laughs> uh, <laughs> they're going to love you.
0: Oh, shit. Um, so, yeah, no. Yeah. I, well, I, I just, yeah. And honestly, I mean, it's kind of weird because you look at dark side i think the lyrics are great in dark side um, that had all of everything about dark side is it has to me aged well um, wish you here wish you were here not so much in my opinion um, especially like i said with Welcome to the machine I, have a scar. I just the yeah. you know, lyrics are kind of contrived and yeah juvenile um, but but then you know in 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 later albums in, you know the next couple albums i think his his writing is is really great. Like, I mean, animals and wall, we'll get to those later, but like, I think, you know, his writing for those albums are are fantastic. Um, so for some reason, it's weird that wish you were here is kind of like in the middle of those and just kind of out as being kind of subpar to me. I don't know. Yeah. But I, one, one interesting thing that I found out in, in kind of like researching, uh, you know, the band and, and, some of the albums is that um so actually the did you know that the lead vocals for have a cigar were not done by Gilmore or Waters or anyone in the band yeah. did you know that Roy
1: Harper I yeah. didn't know that did you That's off that? to Roy Harper
0: But I mean did you know that prior to,
1: to No kind of, not prior to this no. Yeah
0: either did I that's so I weird I just
1: found that out the other day yeah
0: That is really crazy like that they just I apparently like Waters was supposed to sing it, but his voice had been, like, stressed from, like, I don't know, like, their, their most recent tour, and, like, <laughs> Gilmore, like, was like, no, I don't want to do it either, <laughs> like, which I don't know why Gilmore wouldn't want to do it, you know, like, yeah. I don't know, I think they, at that point already, like, the band was already kind of getting, I think they, I think at that point, the band was stressed and exhausted from, yeah, the success of Dark Side of the Moon and the touring for that for that album, yeah. And I think they were just kind of like creatively spent, and they once again relied on Waters to kind of like, you know, create the next kind of concept to have the next kind of idea to, you know, to kind of focus in on and and create music to to work around, and yeah, um, yeah. I don't know.
1: Yeah. It's, uh, so Roy Harper is a famous, he's a super famous, uh, I don't mean famous as in, you know, you've heard of him. I mean, famous as in like in, in 1960s and 1970s England, like he was like a folk God, you know, he bands like, like, uh, Pink Floyd and, and Led Zeppelin. And you know, like he was one of the people that they would point to and be like, Oh, you should really hear what Roy Harper's doing. You know? Um, and so Led Zeppelin actually has a song hats off to Roy Harper. Uh, oh yes. Yeah. yeah. And
0: uh, um, what album is that? Is that Led Zeppelin three?
1: I don't remember. We'll we'll have to talk about it. I I haven't listened to Led Zeppelin in so long now. We'll have to, we'll have to do sure. an episode oh, yeah, on that. For sure. Um, And they were a lot in a lot of ways. I listened to them, you know, maybe more so than Pink Floyd, but anyway, um, so yeah, he, he was the one that came in and did that. I've listened to a little bit of his songs since I've heard about him and yeah, he's, you know, he's a folk artist. He's about what you'd expect for 1960s folk music, but, um, I just think you that's know, he's crazy he's, that he's,
0: like, Oh God.
1: <laughs> I was going to say, it's, he's got some really interesting stuff, but yeah, it's crazy that neither no, of them saying.
0: Yeah. I can't believe that like all of these years were you know, listening to Pink Floyd and that, you know, even that particular song. It's a pretty popular song. I never yeah. realized that that was sung by, you know, essentially some like guest, yeah. guest musician, you know,
1: all these British guys sound the same.
0: I mean, like we talked about even, you know, the one, one of the few things we talked about prior to, to doing the podcast was like, you know, sometimes we can't, I, I'm getting better at it, but sometimes you can't even distinguish between Waters and Gilmore when they, right. In terms of the vocals. You know? Right. Um, the one, I thought the cool, the one thing I thought was cool, like, about, like, uh, Wish You Were Here was, like, uh, it's, it was definitely, like, their most, um, uh, like, the packaging, the packaging for, for this particular album was the most extensive, like, if you really, if you look at everything that they, like, they did, because they use, like, the same, one of the same guys and the same kind of, like, I don't know, production company or something to do all of their like artwork and packaging and stuff for their albums. And Hmm. um, I wish you were here is like one of their like most, you know, complex, uh, you know, packaging that they did in terms of just like all the artwork and photography and um, and all kind of focusing around the theme of kind of like um, absence and, you know, and uh, I thought it was pretty interesting Like yeah, like I mean when you look at their previous work Previous albums And then you compare it to like That's definitely like I mean like If you look at all of Like you got the, the The iconic Kind of cover Cover image Of the guys Shaking hands In like the studio a lot And one of them's on fire And And then you have like The artwork of the like Robotic hands Kind of shaking um, I mean there's just there was a lot of thought put in into into that more so than in any of their other albums, I feel like up until that point, yeah. but it was definitely like a difficult period, you know, for the overall band because they, they kind of had like achieved this level of success with dark side of the moon and they got, they had money and fame and, and they really had to like, I think they had to reassess what they were really still going to make music for, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like going for, um, and that, that, I mean, that's I'm sure that's a common thing theme with anyone who is, you know, who get breaks into the business and is successful. And then it's like, okay, now what do I do? Um, and, and I think, yeah, I think that was like a struggle for them there. And, and, you know, Waters, Waters kind of pulled. Waters always seemed to kind of pull through with the ideas um, and the concepts and thing, things like that. But he he still needed the rest of the band to really kind of bring bring things together. And I think later on, after like especially after the wall, like you well, and with the wall and after the wall, you realize like you know everybody. I mean, you needed you needed that kind of band. You didn't, you, you couldn't just rely on one person, you know? Right. And so, you know, moving on to so going past wish you were here. We move on to animals in 1977. Um, which is, I would say still probably my favorite, uh, pink Floyd album. Uh, I mentioned it in, in our first episode and, um, and I would still say that, you know, even having gone through chronologically all the albums, like, it's still probably my favorite. Um, but it's very much at that point, Roger Waters' band. <laughs> you know I mean? Yep, exactly. Uh, he had really asserted almost complete control at that point. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, and I, and I didn't know that, you know, I really, like, having listened to it as a kid, I didn't really realize that. Um at that point, the tension within the band was just like very high, you know? Right. Um, but yeah, what do you, anything to say about animals other than, you know, the obvious I mean, it's, I still think (laughs) it's a a brilliant album. I mean, it's kind of the first album that really dives into kind of like political issues.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, like you said, it's definitely my, this Animals is definitely my favorite, um,
0: So even still after having gone through the whole catalog and listened to everything, we can, you you still objectively look back and and say, this is your favorite.
1: Yep. Yeah, Yeah, I can. It's, and and the funny thing is, and like we said, it's easy for people to, to get into different camps with this. So I'm in the Sid Barrett camp. I'm the David Gilmore camp. I'm the Roger waters camp. I mean, when it comes to me, like I'm, I'm pretty firmly in the David Gilmore camp, I would say. Yeah. Um, you know a lot of the tracks i like are the ones that he sings on or you know and a lot of the parts of the songs that i really enjoy are typically the guitar solos where he's you know right. playing that signature he's got that signature sustain going in the long sweeping solos um so it's funny that animals is my favorite album because he really i mean like you said roger Waters really wrote this entire album and and performed a lot of this uh, a lot of this album too as far as the vocals and and right. you know even some of the you know on on pigs on the wing you know he's he's pretty much singing and playing the acoustic guitar for the most part and that's right. you know that's you know those songs are only a minute and a half long but those are two of the songs on the album of the five um which
0: which so enough is they kind of going back to what we talked about with um The last album, "Wish You Were here is actually another. It's another kind of like, um, it's it's the opposite.
1: It's the opposite
0: of what uh, "Wish You Were Here" was, where you had the longer out, longer tracks at the beginning and the end. Animals, you have the shorter tracks at the beginning.
1: Right, and then every other track is at least ten minutes long. Yeah, and the middle track (laughs) very long. Right. So it's so yeah, it's definitely still my favorite. I, I think it. I, I'm. I i do not know what I like so much about it. I, I. just. You know. I really like the lyrics. You know. I.
0: Yeah, the lyrics are. I mean, they're, they're. I mean, you can look at them in one way and say, like, "Oh, like here, this is clear." They may be. They may kind of appear obvious in terms of right. what he's talking about, but like, but I, they're, they're still like very poetic, and yeah, and and beautifully written um but yeah
1: yeah i I like a lot of the the the, a lot of the bridges and the breakdowns and the guitar solos and things that happen in this album are are all really good um you know i think it's dogs um has a really good breakdown you know in the middle you know and it's got the there's something about the the lyrics in that that song and in the way the the vocals, you know, the effects that they have on the vocals where it's kind of like an echo in type of thing where it's like, I got to admit. And then it's got like kind of a weird reverb echo going on with it. Um, It just, it just really, it's, it's just appealing and uh, it just hooks me right in, you know, every time.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's just, I mean, the way, the way that, you know, and, and with, with dogs, I mean, that's probably dog is one of my favorite tracks by, Pink Floyd just overall um, it's just such a epic epic track that you know I mean it's it's probably I would say it's probably their longest track that has the most vocals in it yeah um you know what I mean and I do and so like and I think I believe the the first first half of the track is Gilmore singing and then it switches to waters um and I mean like sometimes you can't you can't really tell much of a difference <laughs> right but yeah I mean there's just yeah there for whatever reason there was just something about that whole album and in particular dogs and I mean pigs is pigs is great too um that just really kind of spoke to me there's this. I don't know. I mean, like there's just this dark kind of energy to it that I don't know that I I really loved. And you know, I yeah. can't speak I can't speak to a lot of like technical musical terms and things like that, but um but I yeah, I mean I just I, I love this album and uh you know, it's kind of like it's kind of sad because like like this was this was and still kind of is my favorite album by them. And you realize that at this point, like the band was just completely like crumbling, you know, <laughs> like, right? you know, like there, right. the, the tensions were at an all time high in, between the band members. And, um, you know, like everybody was kind of like, like, I think like a lot of the band members were like depressed having played, like having started to play lar- larger venues and, like, Gilmore was, at that point, had kind of just thought that the band had, had peaked and that it was, like, all going downhill from there. <laughs> right. And, and then Waters, on the other hand, is, like, becoming increasingly isolated and alienated from the band and arriving at, like, at, at concerts by himself and leaving for everybody else. Yeah. Like, I mean, just the, the band was really just not in a, in a healthy place at that point.
1: Yeah. Um, but- and, and the thing is too, I mean, music had changed, you know, this was a band that started at the end of the sixties with like psychedelic rock. And now they're to the point where we're in 1977, 1977, you know, we're not far away. I mean, Um, you know, the cars are coming out around this time and, and, you know, there's, there's a lot of these, these bands that bridge the seventies to the eighties. I mean, pop music and, and things like that sounded a lot different at the time Um, you had like, you know, you had punk rock starting in, in the UK with like the sex pistols and things like that. So it was just, it was becoming a different time, you know, musically for a group like this, that was trying to play these long sweeping ballads um yeah true so yeah i don't know what else to say about uh about animals i mean it's it's still it's just still one of those albums it's maybe not their their most well-received album you know um, right. But as far
0: I, mean, as, I mean like you kind of go back to that like what i mentioned in you know when we talked about dark side of the moon in terms of the radio friendly nature of it right there's certainly nothing radio friendly about any of the no. songs on this album. Like, you know, like the shortest tracks are pigs on the wing part one and two. And, you know, th- those aren't going to get radio play. Um, right. And you're certainly not going to have fucking dogs at 17, minute at 17 minutes playing on the radio. Um, no, but, but it's a, I mean, to me, it's a, it's a great, it's a great concept album in, um and it just one that i I can easily just return to like is as kind of heavy as it is uh Mm. thematically you know it's still like just to me it's it's a joy to listen to like there's just musically sonically there's just so much to appreciate about it um and yeah it it, it, i mean you, you know we're talking about what you know 20 probably 20 years later or 20 or over 20 years later now since I probably first listened to it. And, you know, it's, it has still, you know, it's retained its its status for me personally as, as one of my favorite albums of all time. And so, I mean, it's, it's unfortunate, like it's one of those things where it's like, you know, you have your feelings about something and then you read like, you read about like the behind the scenes and it kind of, it kind of sucks because of, like, it changes, it kind of does have an effect on your opinion and your feeling about the album. You know what I mean? Like right. when you realize, Oh, the band was like in this really shitty place at the time and it was like falling apart. And, and so it's like, it does kind of change how you view, view the album. And, but I, not enough to the, to where it, you know, it, it changes the fact that, like, it, it's still one of my favorite albums of all time.
1: Absolutely. Um, yeah.
0: So, you know, moving on to The Wall, two, another two years later, 1979. Who boy? Bit, this big the wall. Boy. <laughs> this is the big boy. It's the big one. Yeah. Um, I mean, the mother so, of wall concept albums. Yeah. I mean,
1: you can't really you can't really look back on a lot of bands <laughs> that have successfully pulled off a rock opera concept album to this level, yeah, um you know, I would say that the wall may be as a whole w- more well known than any of their other albums. Um, I would, I would definitely say that like a brick in the wall, we don't need no education has, has far, far better penetrated the ethos of American pop culture than maybe any of their other songs. Yeah. You know,
0: that's so even, even more so than dark side.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's the one that you hear turn up in, you know, that's been, um, it, it was easily their most easy to cover. And they're, you know, one that was easy to take and, and for other bands to imitate, you know, was one, it was easy to play on the radio because it's only a couple minutes long, right. you know, it's, it's just, and it's, it's catchy as hell. It's got a, it's got a, it's got that, you know, 1980s punk rock attitude of, you know, we don't need, I mean, it starts off with, we don't need no education, <laughs> you know, it's like, it's just right there in your face. And that was the sort of stuff that played well, you know, right there at the end, you know, of seventy. 70s turning into 80s um, so
0: yeah and the interesting you know, thing about The Wall is too I mean like yeah it's this huge like you said rock opera um, that tells this tells this you know complete story and um, which is something that it is I mean while they've had they had concept albums before this was like to a whole other level and right. um, and there's like I mean this is like I mean, this album is like almost an hour and a half long. I mean, I think it's like 80, 80 some minutes. I mean, it's truly a double album, you know? And yeah. I mean, just the sheer number of, of, of tracks and just the, the, the amount of music. And to me, I mean, like I can, you can see where it's really become completely almost completely Roger Waters band and his album. But I mean, it's pretty. It, it's pretty impressive that when you when you listen to this album all the way through. I mean, t- you're talking about fucking eighty minutes, eighty minutes, eighty minutes yeah. of music. I mean, that's like watching. Yeah. A, it's almost like watching a movie.
1: I mean, there is a movie.
0: <laughs> yeah, there is. A movie. But I mean, like <laughs> like eight like eighty minutes of music, and and honestly, to me, there's only really a couple tracks that are kind of throwaways, um, and that's. That's pretty impressive, um, to write yeah. th- to write to write and compose, you know that that you know that that volume of music and, yeah. and for it to all really be uh, aside from a track or two or whatever to be it's pretty fucking good. Um, yeah, I mean, and, and this is another one that's kind of like it's so different than anything. I mean, in, in a lot of ways, it's so different than anything they've ever done before. And right. the, longest, the longest track on this album is like six minutes or something, which is comfortably none. And mm-hmm. so my, like, that's a big departure, especially even just from their most previous album. Um, well,
1: and the other thing is almost every single one of these songs has vocals.
0: Yeah. Or does have vocals. Right. True. There's not too many like, just straight up instrumental tracks. There's not.
1: Yeah. And, and, and even the longer ones that have vocals, they're not like a six minute song with one minute of vocals. It's like a song, you know, (laughs) you know, it's a full song of vocals, which is not typical of all their other songs where they were, you know, instrument heavy.
0: Yeah. I mean, and this is like another case of like, I mean, span, you know, say what you want about waters and, you know, you, you hear and you read different things you know, that he was kind of a dick or whatever. But like, I mean, up until that point, you, you, I mean, you really have to say that he carried the band, you know? I mean, he was really, he was the idea guy. He was the one writing the lyrics for the most part. And like, I just feel like, I mean, it, look, it's, it's, that's the whole idea of having a band. You have all these different people and they all kind of contribute their strengths, you know. Right. And Roger Waters' strength was was lyrics, and um, I think probably, you know, Gilmore was more the music, you know, music, like musically. I think he was that yeah. was really con- contributing there. And you know, and so like, I mean, with the wall, it's just like you have to really give credit. To I mean, even though this is kind of, it, you, some people could look at it as like like pretentious and, and a bit, you know, a bit much, um, <laughs> but, like, but really, I mean, it's a, it, it is, it's, it's a hell of a, it's a hell of a feat, you know what I mean? Like what he did. Right. with him. I mean, it's, it's pretty fucking impressive. Like in any you have to be able to appreciate, you know, what he did here.
1: Right, I mean, and it's, and the thing is, it's, it's like, it's like nearly an autobiography. I mean, it's really just about him, yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, essentially, for all intents and purposes. It's just a, it's just a fictional version of him.
0: Right, right, yeah. And at that and, point, he had become like he had, yeah. I think he had just become so alienated from the band and the music industry, yeah. and and just like I think he like. He was really starting. I think he was like hating like, uh, playing in like big venues, you know? Yeah. And I mean, but this, yeah.
1: So what's your, what's your favorite, what's your favorite part of Brick in the Wall?
0: Oh man. Wait, what? Oh, which part of which
1: part, which one's your favorite?
0: What are there? Three? Yeah. Three. Oh man. Um, Man, I, I don't know. I, I love, I love the transition between happiest days of our lives, and I think it's breaking the wall part two, right? Yeah. Which is like, like there's that iconic scream that, yeah. like, like that kind of blends the tracks, you know, that kind of cuts the tracks together. And I just, yeah. I, I I don't know why I always love that, like. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, I like them all, actually. I mean.
1: I've always, I mean, Brick in the Wall Part 2 is, you know, that's the iconic one that everybody knows. Um, Brick in the Wall Part 1 is is pretty good. Uh, but I've always liked And it's only like a minute long. But I, I for whatever reason, I love Brick in the Wall Part 3. Yeah. Um, it's just something. I think it's the lyrics because it's just, and it's just one verse, essentially. It's just, we, I don't need no arms around me. I don't need no drugs to calm me. Yeah. Um, I can see the writing on the walls. Yeah. So it's just, I don't know. It was just, I always liked those lyrics. I always thought they were, uh, there was just something interesting in there about it was, it was personal, you know? I
0: mean, I, I, mean I, I will say like, you could say that about the whole album. I mean, I think, yeah. I, mean, I mean, that's what's so, I think that's what's so crazy about the wall is like the sheer number of songs and, and lyrics and everything. And like, to me, it all, to me, it all still works. Like none of it comes across as kind of like, I don't know, cliched or cheesy or like it all feels pretty real. And it's, to me, it's, it's still incredibly well-written.
1: Yeah. I I mean, I, I, it's funny. I would say of all the, of all the albums that we've talked about of theirs so far, I mean, Comfortably Numb, Hey You, and Another Brick in the Wall Part 2 might be, you know, of, of Pink Floyd's five greatest songs, those three might be <laughs> in the top five just from this album alone.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I do think that, like, I you mean, know, if you look at it, like part one, which, you know, from, from the first – First track, which is I think called "In the Flesh," to um, what's the what's the last track on the first part? Is it another goodbye, part? cruel Good, world? Good, you know, yeah, goodbye, cruel world. Um, I do feel like that's a strong, that's the stronger half of, of absolutely the, of the overall album. Yeah, but there's some really great songs on you know part two. You know, like you said, um, "Hey You" and "Comfortably Numb" are both on there. Yeah. You know, I always felt like um, Vera and Bring the Boys Back Home were just kind of like meh, kind of like throwaway tracks, you know? Yeah. Didn't really need to be there, in my opinion. Um, but, like, I love, I mean, obviously, Comfort- Comfortably Numb is fantastic. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, Gilmore's work there, you know, Gilmore's guitar work there. But, um, I mean, like, his, like, Comfortably Numb is considered one of like the best, isn't that considered like one of the best guitar solos of like all time? Like, yeah, like, you know, uh,
1: yeah, it's certainly one of the most iconic. But I mean, it's, I could almost, I could almost sing that guitar solo to you. <laughs> it's so embedded in my brain.
0: But I fucking love like Run Like Hell. Man, I love that.
1: That's song. a good song too. Yeah. It's
0: so good. Like, just that, that really, st- I, feel like that really stands out overall on the album like it just kind of has this like and that was i think that's one of the few tracks that was solely written by gilmore um but it just man it just has this great driving energy to it it's just like i don't know and it's got that and it has that uh that iconic scream in there from from that that same kind of scream from water that was that is in between happiest days of our lives and another breaking the wall part two, which yeah. you know, it's almost like a fucking like, um, <laughs> like a falcon or like a, <laughs> you know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? Bird like, of prey. yeah, some sort of like bird of prey. Like, I bet I fucking love that. Like, they're they're I man, I don't know. Like, and then the more and, the, and having listened to this just today to kind of like refresh my my memory and stuff like that, man, I do. I think actually. Weirdly enough, I think I probably listen to The Wall even though Animals is my favorite. I think I listen to The Wall more than yeah. any other album. Like I just after having listened to it again today, like I just recall really listening to this one a lot and yeah. and there are just there's just so many moments in within the the 80 minutes of this album that are just like that really hit you like you know I don't know. It's it's an amazing an amazing work of art, really. I mean, it, to me,
1: yeah. I I know one of my favorite tracks, like you said, "Run Run Like Hell" is one of yours. I would I would almost call it a sleeper track on here. You know, when it's got so many other well known um, tracks on this eighty minute album, and there's so many so many that are hard to pick from. I, I would say "Run Run Like Hell" is definitely one that's kind of a like a one that you don't hear people say that they like a lot, you know, but it's a great great song and then I, for me it's it's young lust. I love that song that's, good. I mean, and that's another that's a, that's a song I'll just turn on and play
0: yeah and that's another Gilmore one um, right which I think just kind of shows really shows Gilmore's strengths in you know what he really got right. to the band um, but yeah that's another that's another great one and I like I like waiting for the worms that's kind of another weird one. You know, is not was not really like obviously a popular track, but like right, um, and then it kind of ends in a strange like almost like almost like a play, like a almost like a stage play, like right, you know, like with the, the trial. It's just kind yeah. of weird and everything. But I never actually never noticed this before. But the so the end of the album, the last track of the album, called "Outside the Wall," it the very very end of it, the very tail end of it, you hear Waters say, Isn't this where? Did you ever notice that? He says, Isn't this where? And that the very and then if you go back and, and listen to the very first track on the album, In the Flesh, it's said it, he says, We came in. So it nice. it, it brings the whole album kind of full circle. Which I'd never noticed before I never picked up on on that that ly- that lyric that it's just because it's just like a little spoken word thing at the very end of the last track where he says, isn't this where? And then the first line of the first track or yeah, the first line of the first track is we came in. So isn't this where we came in? Kind of indicating that like. This is all a lot of this was like in the the, the character of Pink, who is right. basically Roger Waters, you know, it's it's kind of like a lot of this was in his head and he's kind of like doomed to essentially kind of like repeat this whole problem. Right.
1: Right. Yeah. It's, it's, it's pretty great.
0: And so that's, so that's the height. (laughs)
1: height. Yeah. I don't think we'll spend a lot of time on the next few albums.
0: (laughs) It goes downhill really fast after that.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Um, so after that we go into the final cut, uh, which is, (laughs) Well, we should mention uh, Richard Wright left the band while recording the wall. So when we, by the time we get to the the final cut, the band is no longer, I mean, they're Pink Floyd, but they're not Pink Floyd. So they were, they're down to Roger Waters, David Gilmour and Nick Mason. Um, And, and it's been said that Nick Mason's contributions on the final cut are not very substantial so it's right. really more and
0: it's i don't even think gilmore's contributions were substantial right. <laughs> you know i mean like it was really and and essentially this was like supposed to be like like a lot of the material in this was kind of leftover shit from
1: the wall <laughs> that they and, didn't and do. that's that's exactly how it plays i mean it literally plays yeah. like the wall part two crap that we didn't have time yeah. to include
0: and, and I, and like, you know, I, I read something where, you know, Gilmore was like, he, he just didn't think that any of the stuff was like good enough to include on an album. And right. Waters was basically like, well, what have you got?
1: <laughs> right. And so some well, songs
0: yeah and like, so Gilmore was like, well, I don't have anything right now, but if you give me some time or whatever, and it's like, and so, you know, I mean, he was like, Gilmore's thought process was basically like, if this shit wasn't good enough for the wall, why is it suddenly good na- Good enough now to include on this album? And right. he, he kind of wanted to create new material and Waters just didn't want to go that route. And, I mean, it's a very personal album. It's again, it's Absolutely. another very personal album for, for Waters and yeah. it's very, another very political kind of political album. Right. Um,
1: it's all about, I mean, his, his father had died in world war II and so that's alluded to a lot during the wall and this album, it's really just, that's, it's very, it's very
0: anti-war album.
1: Yeah. Sure. It's, it's right in your face. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. Not There's no subtlety for sure. No. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a pretty, for the most part, it's a pretty heavy album. Like, and having listened to it again, actually today, like, And and I hadn't listened to it in a long time. Um, I don't even recall. Like, there were like the first half, almost the first half of the album, I was like, I don't even remember ever hearing any of these songs. (laughs) And then, like, the latter half, um, I was like, okay, these I do remember. Like, the, the, I feel like the second half of the album is significantly better. Um, Like, you've got like starting with like Fletcher Memorial Home and Southampton dock and the final, actually the final cut is a pretty solid, uh pretty solid track. Yeah. Um, and then you've got like, not now John, which is like, like that's probably Gilmore's biggest contribution. Yeah. To the, to the album. Um, and is kind of stands in stark contrast to the rest, rest of the album in terms of like, it's, it's just got, it's pretty like, it's a lot more hardcore. Like the, the, A lot of the album is pretty quiet, I would say. Um, But, yeah, now John has some, like, some solid energy to it. Um, And, you know, they they incorporate some stuff like, you know, saxophone, which they hadn't really done a whole lot of before. And this is now we're in 1983. So I guess that's kind of (laughs) the sax had become a little more popular i feel like in the 80s um, but yeah i mean it, there's some good tracks on here but overall it's you know it's definitely you know it's definitely a, a step back and absolutely it just kind of goes to show you that like you really you really needed the the whole band like you know yeah. Roger Waters couldn't do this himself no and, it just wasn't gonna fucking cut it anymore. And
1: <laughs> spoiler alert: <laughs> we're, we're, we're about to find out that David Gilmore couldn't yeah. do it by himself right. either. <laughs> that,
0: that, yeah, that's the point it's like to move because I think we're probably ready to move on to uh, 1987's momentary lapse of reason, which at that right. at that point uh, there had been a lot of there had been legal battles and. Waters essentially just, you know, was kind of forced to leave the band, or or I guess was forced to leave. But um, he left, and and uh, Gilmore kind of continued on. brought He brought back Richard Wright, I believe.
1: Um, Yeah, he brought back uh, Nick Mason. So Nick Mason got a little bit more of a of a full role on this album than he did on the previous one, and he brought back. Richard Wright uh, and kind of threw him. I mean, the way I read it, it was basically like he threw him a little bit of work. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't so much that he was like, we're Pink Floyd and it's all of us back together again. It was like, Hey Richard, do you want to, you want to play a little bit or. Um, I know you need some money. Right. Uh, and, and you can definitely tell it's a drastic change in tone. I mean, it's,
0: yeah. I mean, it's the first non concept album since, you know, Metal, right? And and yeah, it just it really kind of shows that Gilmore was not a songwriter. (laughs) Like he was not uh, he was not your lyrics guy. I mean, right? And 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 even the rest of it is just very kind of subpar. I mean, it's just
1: well, and it's nineteen eighty seven too. You know, it's there's definitely an overall eighties feel to it. Yeah, for sure. Um, learning to fly is I, the, obviously the most popular track on this one. It's, it's probably the best track on this one um, for me yeah. anyway. I, I listened to the rest of it. There wasn't much that there wasn't much else that was very, very uh, noteworthy. And yeah. I, I felt the same way. So uh, David Gilmore had a, a solo album back in probably 2008, 2007, um, that I listened to quite a bit but it was a very similar sort of thing there was one or two tracks on there that were real good that I enjoyed and the whole the whole rest of the album I just I couldn't continue to listen to it yeah. you know there was like I'd listen to a couple songs and that would be it
0: yeah um yeah it's, it's just kind of kind of sad what happened you know to the band I mean I think you know on, on the one hand you had like waters who thought like he was like carrying the band and in a way he was, but he, but at the same time he couldn't, it was just something he couldn't do alone either, you know? And I mean, so it's, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, Waters wasn't the whole band, but without him, the band didn't really exist either, you know? And so, I mean, it sucks that they, they kind of had, they kind of had that feud between, you know, between Waters and the rest of the band in particular, between Waters and Gilmore. Um, because, you know, yeah. they, they were just, you know, they were better together, you know? And uh, unfortunately they just got to a point where they, they weren't able to successfully work together anymore. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, and to be honest, I mean, it didn't end there either. I mean, like Gilmore released another another album in 1994, I believe, The Division mm-hmm. Bell. And yeah. I mean, to be honest, I didn't even get through all of that before before tonight, before doing our podcast tonight.
1: I and don't know that I've ever, ever listened to it. I'm I don't, if I'm to be totally honest, I don't know that I ever have.
0: I don't think I have either, actually. I, started, I listened to like the first three tracks today. That was about all I was able to get in. And I was like, I don't fucking remember any of this. Like mm-hmm. not, I didn't recall any of it. So, um, yeah. Momentary Labs of Reason was definitely like the last one that I ever listened to. And I, and even, even, you know, 20 some years ago, I recall like thinking, wow, this isn't as good, you know, um, Yeah. not even, not even really understanding what had really happened to the band, you know? And you still could just tell like, this was just not the same. Um, but yeah, yeah I mean, uh, that, that's, uh, that's that's for all intents and purposes. I mean, that's that's Pink Floyd there. Um, Pretty much. You don't really need to talk about the, the Division Bell And then there was another album that was released. Um, when was that? That was like 2012? Four- 14. 14. Or yeah, yeah, the- yeah River. River. Yeah, I don't know if I ever listened to that either. Um, but
1: yeah, it was a tribute to um, uh, Richard Wright, who died. in oh, okay. 2008. Okay. So, Sid Barrett, I believe, died in two thousand six, and uh, Richard Wright, the keyboard player, he died in two thousand eight. Um, so, Roger Waters, David Gilmour, and Nick Mason are all still alive. Um, David Gilmour, definitely, they've they've definitely each toured on their own and all, and, and at times toured together and, in, in different combinations. Um, but, uh, I know there was a, there was a thing for a while where, um, Roger Waters was touring under the name Pink Floyd, but it was just him. Really? Um, yeah. And, 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 uh, so it's kind of weird that, you know, you know david gilmore was pink floyd by himself for a little while and yeah and then Waters was was touring as pink floyd for a while and so it's it's just one of those weird things where you know they're not together anymore they do they have done reunions i think maybe once or twice but they're still not like you know best friends or anything where they're going to be right, right. going to find these guys touring buddying up and touring together i mean and they're definitely you know you can hear it in their music they're not they're they're old you know they're not looking to go out and make a million bucks doing a huge world tour like yeah. they, it's, that's not who they are like they there's no reason for them to get back together and do right right you know, play some giant venue or something it's not it's yeah. it, it just I mean, doesn't matter to yeah. any of them at the time
0: they have gotten together in, in you know some something f- fairly recently at least we're all for like you know causes and stuff you know what i mean like yeah to raise awareness for things or, you know, whatever benefit concerts and stuff. So, um, yeah, but
1: yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's pretty much then.
0: That's, that's pretty much Pink Floyd. I mean, um, yeah, I mean, a lot of ups and downs and, yeah. you know, it's kind of, I mean, to me, it's kind of, it's a, it's a little sad <laughs> that like, uh, you know, like they really, they finally got to this, point with dark side of the moon where they were working so well together you know it was, it was such a collaborative yeah. effort and then you know i think just the the level of success from that album and just the exhaustion from touring for that and stuff like that i think it just kind of it, it wore them down and you know you know any anytime something like that happens where you you reach that certain that level of like uh, of achievement you know it is hard to kind of like well what do we do next you know and yeah and so you know i think they to me to me i do think like wish you were here as is a, is a bit of like um uh a struggle with kind of like, okay, here, here's our album after it's essentially our, our song, even though they had released a lot of albums before that, this is like their sophomore album, you know what I mean? There's, there's sophomore yeah. effort after, you know, Dark Side of the Moon and trying to find that, like, how do we follow that up, you know? And so I, to me, I think, you know, Wish You Were Here has some good stuff on it and it's certainly more of a Pink Floyd album than, than others. But uh, but that one kind of like, you know, falls in the cracks a little bit for me personally, although I know like I think Richard Wright and Gilmore both consider that like their that's their favorite album. But, but yeah. then you know, they came back with with animals and, and I love that album, obviously. We talked about that. And, and I think the wall is, while the wall is like, at that point now, essentially Roger Waters, you know, like that still is an amazing album but then after that it was like there's there was just no way for the band to continue in that way you know what i mean yeah. with, with it, it i mean it was just Roger Waters show and so like it just it got to that point and it, and that is a great album but as a band there was just no way they could continue in that way and and so
1: kind of yeah. like us how so? You're you're our you're our Roger Waters.
0: <laughs> I don't know if I should take that as a as a compliment or or not. Uh, Probably not. Uh, uh, but yeah, uh, so that's that's Pink Floyd. Yeah. Um, that's our thoughts. I guess that's that's our thoughts on Pink Floyd. Yeah. And, um, you know that'll be something that you know in future episodes we'll we'll definitely uh, do some that you know will highlight a particular artist or band and, and talk about them, you know, in, in, at length. Um, but for next week's episode, we're going to do something different again. And, uh, yep. we're going to each take, uh, uh, a particular album that has been released in the last five years. So a recent album that has come out, uh, and for each of us has, uh, kind of been something special. Uh, yep to us and I'm so
1: at,
0: we got to talk well, about each we'll, of those
1: and. well yeah we'll share them with each other and then uh we'll kind of each listen to each other's and get a background and, and kind of go through those and and kind of present them see what we come up with um i'm not really sure what i'm gonna do i'm I'm gonna try and go off of not picking one that you know that i've brought up you know on maybe my top five or something so yeah I'm try and trying something different but
0: i've got an idea uh for my album it was actually one that i mentioned in our first album but it's not or our first podcast i should say um but it was not in my top five albums and it wasn't and the artist was not in my top five artists but i did mention as my recommendation that's kind of what i'm thinking of going with but we'll see if i if i change my mind on that but yeah uh we'll reconvene next week and uh Talk about our one of our favorite uh, recent albums in the last
1: meeting week. adjourned.
0: <laughs> All right, we'll see you guys next week.
1: Thanks for listening. Thanks
0: for listening. Later. See ya. Thank you for listening to sip and spend with Luke and Andy. Cheers.